Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 146 of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast. On today's show, we are discussing 10 secrets of decluttered homes that might surprise you. Have you ever walked into this perfectly tidy, wonderfully decluttered home and asked yourself, how do they do it? What is their secret? And the truth is that perfectly tidy homes, they aren't flawlessly maintained, right? There are some tried and true minimalist secrets that go into maintaining such tidiness. And today I'm going to give you 10 of them. Now, this episode was so fun for me to put together. My hope is that the 10 secrets I am divulging today are going to give you the inspiration to perhaps tackle that decluttering job this fall, or perhaps take your existing tidiness to the next level. Now, we have so much information to cover today, so we're going to get right into it. A quick note that this week's show notes, so everything we are discussing today, can be found in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 146. Now let's just jump right in. Let's waste no time. Secret number one of decluttered homes is that the owners of those decluttered homes give the dumping ground special care. Now what on earth is a dumping ground? Chances are you already know what it is and chances are even better you have one. The dumping ground is that place in our homes that just is the catch space for all the junk, for the mail, for the school papers, for whatever it is. It's the dumping ground. It's where people dump the stuff that they don't know what to do with. So in some homes, right, they got rid of the dumping ground altogether. They give everything in the dumping ground a designated space. And when you do that, there is then no need for a dumping ground because everything has a place. Now, in my house, I have a built-in desk in my kitchen. And by the way, can I just say that I hate built-in desks in kitchens? No offense if you, like me, have one. But the reason I despise them is because no one in the history of desks in kitchens ever actually sit there, right? The purpose of a desk in a kitchen is to be the dumping ground, in my humble opinion. And it certainly is the dumping ground in my house. My kids dump their school papers and their artwork there. 
I put the mail there. My husband puts his belt there for some reason. You name it, it finds its way onto this surface. And so in a perfect world, I would create spaces for all these things that generally find their ways into the dumping ground, and voila, I get rid of the dumping ground altogether. That would be in a perfect world. But if you live in a less than perfect world like I do, if you live in more of a realistic world, you understand that your dumping ground, just like my dumping ground, is likely not going anywhere anytime soon, right? So instead of trying to get rid of it altogether, you are going to give it extra love and extra care. And this is a minimalist secret because successful minimalists, they understand that there's always going to be the potential for a dumping ground. That's why they give it extra TLC. So how do you give your dumping ground extra TLC? You clean it up every day, every night. Maybe you clean it up every couple hours if during COVID your family is home more than often and the dumping ground is getting more dumps. (laughs) So you are clearing it off every night. And why are you doing that? It's because chances are stuff is going to end up there. But if you get in the habit of clearing it every night, you're creating that clear surface. And so when there's a clear surface, the likelihood of more clutter piling up there is significantly reduced. So secret number one of decluttered homes is, of course, to give that dumping ground extra care. Okay, moving on to secret number two. This is such a good one. Secret of decluttered homes number two is decluttered homes have entryway systems. Okay, so I want you to think about your entryway to your own home right now. Entryways set the tone for the entire home, right? When you come home, You deserve to walk into a serene space, not one that is untidy, not one that immediately raises your blood pressure and raises your anxiety. Entryways set the tone for the home, the tone being decluttered, tidy, serene, and calm, or the tone being messy, stressful, stress-inducing, crazy. When I think about entryways, I think specifically about shoes. When shoes are left willy-nilly all over the floor in the entryway, it immediately makes that whole space feel cluttered and messy, right? So getting shoes off the floor is a really simple decluttering secret for messy people. It is similar to the minimalist secret of clearing the countertops, which we're really not going to cover today. We've covered it so much in the past, but it's a secret. It's a tried and true trick that instantly refreshes your space. So step one for having an entryway system is making sure you have a shoe system. Now, if you have children, and particularly if you have small children or young children, make sure that your shoe system is simple. And that is so that the children, your children, can be empowered to take control of their own shoes. (laughs) In my house, the shoe system is so simple. Each daughter has a basket. And so when they come home, they take their shoes off and they are able to put their shoes in their own basket. Done. Easy. Now, the same for coats. If you have young children, make sure that you have installed coat hooks that are low enough so they can hang up their own coats and their own jackets and their own backpacks and their own scarfs or whatever else that needs to be hung up. 
When you create systems that work for everyone, you no longer have to run around behind everybody cleaning up their messes. And isn't that a beautiful thing? For everybody else, for those of us without kids, one of the easiest organizing tricks for the shoes in particular is to put a shoe rack in your entryway closet. And make sure that you have the rule, too, that when that shoe rack is full, the rest of the shoes need to go upstairs to your own respective closet, and your partner's shoes need to go up to his respective closet. So if your shoe rack holds eight pairs of shoes, only eight pairs of shoes are on the shoe rack. Okay, so that's secret number two. Decluttered homes have a functioning entryway system. We are moving right along to secret of decluttered homes number three, and that is that the owners of decluttered homes understand the true meaning behind sunk cost. Many aspirational minimalists get caught up in the decluttering process because they're reluctant to let go of items that cost them money. And that is perfectly reasonable. That's understandable. Nobody wants to waste money. No one. Nobody wants to throw money out the window. But successful minimalists, and when I say successful, I mean minimalists who successfully keep their homes tidy, they understand in their bones that a sunk cost occurs the second you hand over payment for an item. That is when the money is lost for good. It's not when you donate an item that costs you money. It's when you buy the item. Because unless you return that item within 30 days or whatever that return policy is, you will almost never get back what you paid. The cost is sunk. So understanding the true meaning behind sunk costs means you're getting over that pit in your stomach as you're decluttering items that cost you money. You already spent the money. The money is gone. And that's why it's called a sunk cost. So the best course of action here is to learn from that mistake of buying something that you didn't really need and to buy less clutter going forward. Decluttering and maintaining a decluttered home is about having a mindset shift that really at its core is about fundamentally changing how you think about possessions. If you continue to think that stuff is going to make you happy, or if you believe that the newest and the latest possession is going to make you more desirable, or if you're still competing with others in your social sphere to have the best thing, you will likely continue to struggle with clutter. It is uncomfortable truth time. (laughs) So get ready. Here it is. I've learned in my own life that this is true. A decluttered home will not stay decluttered unless you change how you think about your stuff. It really does start with a mindset shift. All right. Secret number four of decluttered homes. Owners of decluttered homes understand the benefits as well as the drawbacks of the one in, one out rule. Okay, so that's long. So let's break it down. First of all, what is the one in, one out rule? 
Well, the rule goes as follows. Every time you bring something new into your house, you declutter something similar. So you bring something in, you take something out. Personally, I really like the one in, one out rule because it just kind of works. It's simple math. Last week, I purchased a new pair of leggings. (laughs) And so having that new pair in my drawer means that I no longer have to keep those woefully ripped and also strangely stretched out leggings that I've had for the last decade. (laughs) One in, one out. Makes sense, right? But there is a problem to the one in, one out rule. And the problem is that it can give tacit permission to just keep buying more stuff. You can make mindless purchases without guilt because you know you'll be decluttering something when you get home. So if you are in the habit of continuously replacing your old stuff with new stuff for no reason other than the fact that you like new stuff, I humbly suggest you consider taking that hard look at your consumption habits. The bottom line here is not to let this one-in-one-out rule enable you to stay stuck in that consumption pattern of buying, purging, buying, purging. When you use the one-in, one-out rule in your own life, make sure you use it to justify replacing something that needs to be replaced, not use it to justify replacing perfectly good stuff because you want something newer and shinier. Okay, we're moving on to secret of decluttered homes number five, and that is that the owners of decluttered homes are not afraid to declutter the furniture. Now, a lot of decluttering advice focuses on small things like trinkets, right, knickknacks, home decor. But there is a simple minimalist secret when it comes to creating those spacious, airy homes that we see in catalogs, and that is very simple. It is to declutter the furniture. Don't be afraid of it. Furniture is often big ticket items, right, particularly old furniture or antiques or really well-made furniture. And so it is natural for us to not want to declutter it, right? But if you have ever walked into a home that just feels overcrowded, you know that the reality of having too much furniture stuffed into a space is a very real thing. I am not saying right now to go out and declutter your dining room table. However, if you don't sit at your dining room table ever, maybe it's time to think about why you have one. But I'm not talking about the dining room table or the couch or those things that you really do need to have a functioning house. I'm not an extreme minimalist, and chances are if you're listening to my show, you might not be so extreme either. But if you have a chair in your entryway because you thought a chair might look good there, Maybe it is time to reassess, right, and understand that too much furniture makes a space feel smaller than it actually is. Taking some pieces out, and especially pieces that serve no purpose and pieces that you never really liked to begin with, can create that airiness, that lightness, that flow that you may have been seeking really quickly. We are going to move right on to secret Number six, after a quick word from this week's sponsors. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Forager Project. 
Forager is a family-owned, 100% organic, plant-based food company dedicated to improving the health of both humans and the planet. Their hero ingredient, organic cashews, creates the creamiest base for its yogurts, kefirs, and sour cream. My daughters love their yogurts. My daughters are partial to the vanilla. I'm a bit more partial to the strawberry. As a mom, I am thrilled that Forager's yogurts contain all the probiotic goodness of traditional yogurt without the dairy. And as an aspiring plant-based chef, I appreciate that Forager offers dozens of vegan recipes for free on their website. Forager Project believes in the importance of a healthy democracy, and so they have shifted their packaging to say, vote on November 3rd to inspire Americans to vote in the upcoming presidential election. Forager also has voting resources and information for you at www.foragerproject.com forward slash vote and on social media at Forager Project. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is also sponsored by Blissoma. Blissoma does things differently than most of the cosmetics industry because their estheticians create holistic and botanical skincare made from vitamins, omega fatty acids, herbs, and essential oils, not hard-to-pronounce ingredients, petrochemicals, or synthetics. Blissoma is the real deal when it comes to ethical business practices, too. Zero ingredients lack safety data, are tested on animals, or are harmful to skin or body. Their products come in glass bottles, too, and their production studio is 80% solar-powered. I have been using the Sustain line for two months now, and I am a huge fan of their five-star rated mild rice facial cleanser. There are no microbeads to be found in there. Instead, it is rice that gently exfoliates and cleanses. Head over to blissoma.com, that's B-L-I-S-S-O-M-A dot com, and enter code MINIMAL at checkout for 20% off Sustain Ecosystem products. All right, here we are, Secret of Decluttered Homes number six. Owners of decluttered homes understand that their needs change over time. So what does that mean? It means that life is not static. Our needs and our interests, they shift over time. And so the possessions that we choose to own must then also change along with them. Now, here's a real-life example from my own life, right? I have daughters, and my daughter, my youngest daughter, is now size 4T, right? So I cleaned out her drawers, took out all the 3T stuff, replaced it with the 4T stuff from my other daughter. Assuming you have no plans to have more children, I have no plans to have more children, I no longer need to store the 2T and the 3T things in my basement. Our needs have shifted over time. With my first daughter, I did need to keep the 2Ts and the 3Ts because I had a second daughter. But now, because I'm not having more children, I no longer need to keep those clothes, those bins of clothes in the basement. It's time for me to let them go. That's a very simple example. Here's another one. It has nothing to do with kids. Your interests in your own life likely shift over time. I used to be a scrapbooker, (laughs) or at least I wanted to be a scrapbooker. I was never all that good at it. But I have not scrapbooked in at least 10 years. 
there is no longer a need for me to have all those different cool scissors, all the stickers, all the stencils. My interest changed over time. So the possessions that my old self needed, my current self no longer needs them. The bottom line here is that we need to keep different possessions for different seasons of our lives. And when we get in the habit of decluttering the possessions that no longer serve us, we're really empowered to create that tidy and decluttered space that we're seeking. All right, we are moving right along to (laughs) secret number seven, and that is organize less, declutter more. If any of you listening consider yourselves messy by nature, this tip is specifically for you. Tidiness is a natural consequence of being decluttered. I'm just going to say that again because that's like a really packed statement. Tidiness is a natural consequence of being decluttered. Another way to say this, which might make a little bit more sense, is that organization and tidiness become infinitely easier once you have less stuff. If you have fewer items, you will spend less time and less energy trying to keep them organized. So it's about focusing less on buying the right baskets and the right bins and instead focusing more on paring down the possessions. Pare down first, and then when it is time to organize, reuse the items you already have instead of spending money on unneeded organization items. Like, I used to love the container store. I used to just go in there and be in heaven. All these different bins and baskets and organizing systems for the stuff. Until I realized that if I decluttered successfully, I had no need for any of those container store systems. The container store is a business. Organization is an industry. And if you declutter, you have significantly less of a need for those organization systems because you can have the most perfectly organized and labeled and color-coded organization systems in the world. But if you have too much stuff, you will just be spending a lot of time maintaining your organization systems. Having less stuff makes organizing not just easier, but natural. Number eight, secret of decluttered homes. Number eight, owners of these decluttered homes make decluttering less of a big to-do and more of a daily habit. All right, so I know you're listening right now and you're thinking, what? Decluttering is not a big to-do? Well, for that first declutter, for that first whole house purge, yes, it absolutely is a humongous (laughs) to-do. I will not sugarcoat it. It took me about a year to declutter the whole house. And I'd say that so that you know if that is on your horizon, it is a time-intensive job. It just is. If anybody tells you it's not, I would like to speak to them because I want to know how they did it. (laughs) I think it has to be. It must be time-consuming, emotionally draining, transformative experience. And so if that's you, if you need to do a big whole house declutter, you should absolutely go back and listen to episode 82 of this podcast. The episode was titled Three Hard Truths About Clutter. 
And there is a whole house decluttering plan in that episode. So the goal there is to help you break down your house into 52 areas, tackle one per week, get the job done, done. Okay, but after that whole house decluttering is done, after you accomplish that, you come out on the other side, you have patted yourself on the back and you're feeling really darn awesome. Successful minimalists understand that the work isn't done. The big work is done. The work has changed, absolutely. But the work is never complete. And that is because the threat of clutter is always present. So I suggest after that big decluttering is done, you make decluttering and tidying a daily habit. When decluttering becomes a habit, you just naturally find yourself on the lookout for things you can responsibly unload as you go about your day. So decluttering is less of a big, like, let's put it on the schedule, put it on the calendar type thing. And it's more of a quiet household chore that you perform daily. Now, my absolute favorite way to make decluttering a habit is to practice the five-minute rule. If I can get something done, if I can clean something, if I can pick something up in five minutes or less, I'm just going to do it right then and there. I'm just going to get it done. I'm not going to put it off. I'm not going to delegate it. I'm just going to do it. And I've found that the benefits of the following the five-minute rule is that the job gets done, the stress of the job is no longer looming over me, and I have a significantly lessened mental load for the rest of the day because the job is done. It's not pulling away me away from the present moment every time I see this clutter, this mess, this thing that needs to be fixed. It's just done. So that's tip number eight. We have two left. We're flying right through. Tip number nine, successful minimalists have a donate box, and here's the key. They donate the donate box the second it is full. Okay, so that's a big one. I have talked about the donate box on this show before. It is a woefully simple solution that helps you declutter daily while also encouraging your family members to do the same. Perhaps you are in the habit of finding five things per day to donate. That is excellent. That is such a great habit to get into. If that sounds like you, You're likely already putting those five things into a box, a donate box, as you go about your day. Perhaps your kids are doing the same as they are looking at their toys or their own possessions for things that they no longer play with. But here's the key, though. Successful minimalists understand that once the donate box is full, they have to then immediately go and donate it or responsibly discard of whatever is in the box. Successful minimalists do not leave that box in the basement for months. They do not put it in the trunk of their car and forget about it and just drive around with this box of stuff for months like I have done many a time in my own life. They donate it immediately. And they do so because they understand intuitively that the decluttering job is not complete until the decluttered items are successfully and responsibly discarded. So until the stuff is out of your possessions, the job is not done. That's the bottom line for tip number nine. You have a donate box and you donate the donate box the second it's full. Okay, we are moving right on to our final tip today. Successful minimalists who maintain decluttered homes 
are ruthless gatekeepers. And when I say ruthless, I mean ruthless, baby. (laughs) All right. So what does it mean to be a gatekeeper? A household gatekeeper understands that every single possession we own demands time, effort, and energy to maintain. As a gatekeeper, you decide which items you grant admittance into your home, and you decide which items get checked at the door. Okay, so I should say right off the bat, I am probably the most ruthless gatekeeper you will ever meet. I politely decline the t-shirts my daughters receive for sports participation. I leave birthday parties without the favor bags if I can get away with it. My daughters and I do not stop at the treasure chest at the dentist's office. (laughs) And when I go to the mailbox to bring the mail in, I stop first at the recycle bin outside to throw out the junk mail. I do not let things come into my house that I consider junk or pointless or unnecessary. Now, a side note here is I was a guest on the Simple Families podcast a few months back, and the host, Danae, And I discussed what it means to be a gatekeeper in real life. And Danae asked me, essentially, how do I refuse items without being rude? And this is a really great question. (laughs) The example she was honing in on was, how specifically do I not go to the treasure chest after my kids go to the dentist, right? The treasure chest, maybe you have something similar. Maybe it's not called a treasure chest. It's like a toy box that if you're good and if you get your teeth cleaned, you get to pick something out of the toy box. How do I decline taking a plastic toy from the dentist without being rude? That was Danae's question. And my response to that question is that I believe it's possible to decline politely. And I do my best to decline as politely as possible, right? I also do not believe that the receptionist at the dentist's office needs a lengthy explanation as to why I'm declining either. It's really in my own life as simple as me saying, oh, thank you so much. You're so generous, but we're good today. No, thank you. End of sentence, period, full stop. That ends the conversation. I don't think that the receptionist or the dentist or the hygienist is going to go home feeling so off-put by my rudeness that it's going to ruin their night. I don't think that me declining the treasure chest is going to ruin their days. And because my daughters have never, ever taken a toy from the treasure chest, they don't even know that they're missing out on anything. So my point here is if you go to the treasure chest after going to the dentist, I'm not trying to (laughs) make you feel bad about that by any means. My point here is to talk about gatekeeping. Minimalism is about doing the opposite of what other families are doing sometimes. And so even if every other kid in the world is getting a plastic toy from the treasure chest. Like, I am okay with being different, and I'm telling you this story, too, in hopes that you can perhaps be okay with being a little different, too, if you want to be. And if you don't want to be, 
then that's great too. But the bottom line for me and my life is that I know that that plastic toy is going to be played with by my daughters for about five minutes before it breaks or before they get bored with it. And then it's on me to find a way to responsibly discard or dispose of it. So for me, it's easier to be a ruthless gatekeeper. It's not because I'm better or more special. It's because I want to do less work and doing less work means declining this stuff at the outset. Being a gatekeeper means being intentional about what you grant admittance into your home. And it's about remembering that unnecessary stuff does create clutter and clutter does take more than it gives in the forms of time and stress. Okay, wow, so many, (laughs) so many secrets. Let's review them really quick. Secret number one, give the dumping ground special care. Number two, have a foolproof entryway system. Number three, understand the true meaning behind sunk cost. Number four, understand both the benefits and the drawbacks to the one-in-one-out rule. Number five, don't be afraid to declutter the furniture. Number six, remember that needs change over time. Number seven, organize less, but declutter more. Number eight, make decluttering less of a big to-do and more of a daily habit. Number nine, have a donate box and act on it quickly. And finally, 10, be a ruthless gatekeeper. Now, today went pretty fast. So if you missed anything, go back, check out the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 146. Next week, we are talking about the relationship between climate change and human health. I alluded to it last week. Next week, we're getting into it. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care, my friends. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.